0: Hey friends, welcome back to the Journal Feed. My name is Nick Zelt, and this is the only place to get spoon the latest and greatest of emergency medicine. We are keeping you guys up on the literature by spoon it to you. Okay, let's see what we're going to be covering this week, I and mean, I'm going to change it up a little bit this week. Instead of giving little teasers, I'm just going to give you the punchline up front. This way, I'll have given you the conclusion three times during this episode, and if you have the conclusion up front, then you know what to listen for when I actually go over the article. So, from the first article, the evidence for joint commission mandates is poor. Second, that the main mode of monkeypox transition is probably sexual contact. Third, there are at least seven ways to reduce the temporomandibular joint. Fourth, more RCT evidence supporting TXA for epistaxis. That's good news. And then from the last article, in PE patients, in terms of ECG signs, only ventricular tachycardia is an independent predictor of clinical deterioration. Now, if you are hearing this right now, then you're not currently a Journal Feed subscriber, and so you're not gonna be getting the full Journal Feed podcast, only receiving a portion of the past week's articles. No worry, though, I'm gonna pick my favorites. But if you would like to get full access to both the podcast and the blog, then you'll have to become a member. All the details for that are at journalfeed.org, where remember, if money is ever a problem, just reach out and we'll help you out. Now, this is the audio version of the past week's summaries, which this week were brought to you by Gabby Leonard, Joseph Miller, Nicholas Stryka, Graham Benchik, and Clay Smith. Okay, let's jump over to the second article. Monkeypox virus infection in humans across sixteen countries, April to June twenty twenty out of the New England Journal of Medicine. So have any of you actually had the chance to see any monkeypox yet? Make a diagnosis? I had a case just a week or two ago, so now I'm really on board with this being something that we should actually be pretty familiar with. This article was a case series from an international HIV research collaborative that characterizes the current outbreak of monkeypox. Now, classically, monkeypox was thought to spread as a result of droplets or contact with lesions. But the patterns that we're seeing right now look a lot more like sexual transmission is happening, mostly in men who have sex with men. And there is a correlation with those with HIV who travel to endemic areas and participate in large sexual gatherings. But these patients are going to look like it can be actually quite variable. Usually, about seven days after the initial exposure, they can get a non-specific flu-like prodrome, and that's only afterwards to be followed by the rash. This could easily be confused with COVID, but there's lymphadenopathy, which you should be looking out for, and that's going to be found in fifty-six percent of patients. And you wouldn't expect that degree of lymphadenopathy in COVID patients. Also, COVID is no reason to be isolated to the genital or perianal region, which is quite frequently found with monkeypox right now. So it could even masquerade as syphilis. Skin lesions are going to be the dead giveaway for this diagnosis, and they're the most common symptom of the disease. They look like umbilicated papules resembling smallpox lesions, as if any of us have actually seen those. Anal lesions are usually intensely painful, and so that's going to be a common reason for possible hospitalization. So I kind of call this sexual transmission, and that's what the article essentially calls it, but I personally don't think that's quite the case, unless it's being secreted in sexual secretions, then I just say really it's just very close contact. That's not quite the same as sexual transmission, in my opinion. Regardless, it shows how a good social history can be important with these patients. No people, though anyone can still get this, it doesn't necessarily have to be a man who has sex with men. I, for instance, the case that I saw had a patient who was completely denying any sexual contact of any kind. When for once suspecting many box take a good sexual history since certain patterns around sexual contact seem to be emerging and then I hop on over to the fourth article titled intranasal topical application of tranexamic acid in hematic anterior abscess a double blinded randomized clinical trial at the annals of emergency medicine do i really need to get an intro for abscess at this point honestly patients absolutely hate it but quite possibly they hate nasal packing even more not to mention that you will probably end up giving them unnecessary prophylactic antibiotics to go along with it dxa is what we hoped would be the cure all for all things abscesses unfortunately that hasn't quite been the case and the literature is a little bit back and forth there was a positive systematic review and meta-analysis in 2022, but it didn't include the Novax study. And the Novax study was essentially the best data that we had to date, and that was a negative trial. But if you look really carefully, you'll see that the letters TX and A are right there in epistaxis. It's pretty much a match made in heaven. How could it not help? Anyways, this was a new double binded RCT of 240 patients that did indeed show benefit of TXA. It compared first-line use of TXA with a vasoconstrictor against a vasoconstrictor alone, and found that there were lower rates of anterior nasal packing and odds ratio of 0.56, less rebleeding in 24 hours, odds ratio of 0.41, and shorter ED stays, odds ratio of 0.38. Those are all pretty darn good numbers. This was a well-done study too. Likely the best-quality data that we have so far. The limitations are that it was unfortunately conducted in a specialty ENT emergency department. TXA was not used as monotherapy as we might have wanted it to be. It was used with a basic vasoconstrictor, and it recruited less anticoagulated patients than most other studies tend to. And sum, while you can't just take this trial in isolation, TXA seems to be finishing on top. Taking into account that TXA is well—it's easy to give, it's cheap, there's it minimal downsides. Honestly, it seems like it's worth a shot before going on to packing. All right, that's it. Now is our third repetition of all the takeaways from all these studies. Let's do our wrap-up. From the second article, monkeypox can certainly be spread through sexual contact, which seems to be most common in men who have sex with men. Though someone's sexual orientation definitely isn't what's important; it's just the contact itself. Then from the fourth article, to combat the NOPAC trial, here is a double-blinded RCT supporting TXA use in epistaxis. This is high-quality data that actually shows less packing, unlike the NOPAC trial. Links to all the articles summarized can be found at journalfeed.org, where you can also find a newsletter, which is the best way to make the podcast into a bite-sized nugget of space repetition. However, if you're feeling like you're missing out a little bit, you only heard two articles from this week, and you'd rather hear five, then come over and join us at the member's feed. Our goal here is to provide better patient care through spook feeding, and that's why we're trying to help you keep up with the latest research one spoonful at a time. Thank you.